Great stuff. I um, <clears throat> remember as a uh, teenager, um, often wa- watching some of those uh, black and white uh, war films. I don't know if any of you um, used to watch those, uh, or still watch them maybe. Um, but I was always just amazed by the sense of bravery, and uh, one of them that really captured me was the film about, uh, I think it was Reach for the Skies, about Douglas Bader, and just an amazing man who, um, in his, his younger years was a bit uh, foolish in how he flew a plane and resulted in losing his legs, but an amazing man in terms of his commitment to sacrifice. And uh, a couple of things that really stuck me, one was his determination, despite him losing both of his legs, which was unheard of, to fly a plane. He, he resolved uh, to fly. And uh, when he did fly, he, he, he really fought and was courageous uh, but one of the things that really got me was that when he was captured, he was shot down and was captured by the uh, Germans and was uh, put in a prison of war camp. And uh, the, uh, I think there was a, an arrangement for his, one of his legs to be dropped off so that he could uh, put this on. He escaped from prison. And, uh, and it got to the point where actually he kept escaping. They actually took his legs away. Um, and just, just an amazing man of courage, a man who really... Um, uh, was committed to fighting for freedom. But that's uh, representative of many, many people. And uh, also just think about the Battle of Britain, that sometimes I think we don't quite realise how starkly and how close we were um, to losing the war and being in a situation where um, our freedom could have been taken away. But the amazing sacrifice, the amazing determination, the amazing commitment of men and women to uh, fight that battle. And that battle, of course, involved people on the the front line of flying planes, piloting planes, but also all the infrastructure behind that, the commitment of people to stand together as community and to fight together. I think there's so much we've got to learn uh, today in that, particularly uh, in a culture where we often prioritize the individual. And, of course, all of us are important and equal before God. But there's something about us working together and being community together. And uh, <clears throat> towards uh, 11 o'clock, um, I've set the alarm on my iPad. So if you hear an alarm, uh, it's not someone trying to phone me. We're going to go into an act of remembrance. And of course, today is really significant because it's 100 years uh, since the uh, signing of the armistice uh, on the 11th of November uh, 1918 um, at 11 o'clock. And we are exactly 100 years on. And what an amazing privilege it is for us to remember uh, those people. So I just wanted to open up my talk with that just to introduce us to our remembrance uh, in a moment. But also, as Christians, uh, part of our uh, remembering is of Christ and all that he's done for us. And in our communion uh, liturgy, we talk about remembering what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And of course, Jesus is the supreme example of what sacrifice is. He had everything. He was the Son of God. He is the Son of God. And yet he considered equality with God not something to be grasped, but took the nature of a servant, and he sacrificed himself for our freedom. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. And so let's hold those things together. We're going to be celebrating communion later. Let's hold those things together, remembering those who fought and given us freedom And let's remember Jesus, who has died on the cross to give us freedom as well. This morning we come to the last of our series on just ten, thinking about the Ten Commandments. Of course, we've been going through these in reverse order. And in a moment I'll say why I think we've come to the the most important one. I think it's the one that comes first for a reason. 
Um, we'll come on to that in a moment. But just to set the scene, a story about a lighthouse keeper. A lighthouse along a bleak coast was tended by a keeper who was given enough oil for a month and was told to keep the light burning every night. One day, a woman asked for oil so that her children could stay warm. Then a farmer came. His son needed oil for a lamp so he could read. Still another needed some oil for an engine. The keeper saw each as a worthy request and measured measured just enough oil to satisfy all. Near the end of the month, the tank in the lighthouse ran dry. That night, the beacon was dark and three ships crashed on the rocks. More than a hundred lives were lost. When a government official investigated, the man explained what he had done and why. You were given one task alone, insisted the official. It was to keep the light burning. Everything else was secondary. There is no defense. The lighthouse keeper uh, wanted to help those other people, but he missed the main objective of his task, to keep the lighthouse running. And in doing so, it resulted in a 100 people dying on those rocks through those shipwrecks. As followers of Christ, we are called to focus on the one thing. In our vision focus for 2017, we looked at what the one thing was, that it was about pursuing his presence, that it was about his priorities, it was about his purpose. The one thing is about pursuing God. It's about knowing God. It's about growing in God. When we lose that focus, even if our intentions are good, we can get distracted and it moves us away from all that God has in store for us. Over the triple doorways of the Cathedral in Milan, there are three inscriptions spanning the splendid arches. Over one is carved a beautiful wreath of roses and underneath all that which pleases is but for a moment is inscribed. Over the other is sculpted the cross and there are the words, all that which troubles us is but for a moment. But underneath the great central entrance to the main aisle is the inscription, that only is important, which is eternal. We're called to an eternal destiny, an eternal destination that one day we will be with Jesus forever. And of course, there are many trials and challenges in this life, but one day we will be with him forever. We are called to set our sights on that eternal destination. Just as when Paul said, one thing I do, this is what I seek. No, that was David. One thing I do, I press on towards the goal for which God has called me heavenwards. His one thing, the thing he was focused on, was that eternal destination. In Exodus chapter 20 and verses 2 to 3, we read, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. I'll read that again. I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. The people of Israel were instructed to make God the only one, to make God the number one. And uh, as I said already, I think this commandment comes first because it is the most important. Actually, everything else flows out of this focus of uh, looking to God first and foremost. The principle of this commandment is that God gets first place in our lives. And so the challenge I want to issue to all of us, me included, is, is God first place in our lives? 
does he take that first place? And so we're going to unpack this a bit in a moment. But I just want us to reflect on that question. And I think it's really important that we recognize this isn't a heavy kind of God is a tyrannical God who says you must make me take first place in your life or else. This is about God saying, you know, I know what is best for you. I'm a God of love. I'm a God of grace. And I've designed you. I've designed you to live in a certain way. And if you live in the way that I've designed you, actually, you will live life to the full. We'll come back to this in a moment. But that verse from Matthew 6:33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added on. There is this sense, actually, as we put him first, everything else fits into place. And so let's think this morning, how do we put God first in our lives? You know, God longs for us. He hungers for us to be in relationship with him. You know, God invites us in Luke ten twenty seven to seek him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind. God says, show me your love. Demonstrate your commitment by putting me first in everything. Let's, um, let's use the analogy uh, of a car this morning. And I'll just say right at the beginning, I know we've got some people here who work uh, in the car industry. So if you can think of some more technical analogies, please do uh, come and talk to me afterwards. I'll be interested to hear them. But I'm just going to go for a really basic analogy here to, to kick us off. Just imagine your car is your life, okay? So we're talking about the car of your, the, the, the car that is your life. And uh, firstly, have you invited God into the car? Is God in the car of your life? Is he resident? If not, can I encourage you this morning to invite God in, to say, yes, God, I want you to come into my life. I want you to come in to my car. Some of us may say, well, yes, we have invited God into our car. He is in the car of our life, so to speak. But maybe he's in the boot. Maybe we've put him in the boot. We turn up to Sunday, turn up to church on a Sunday, we open the boot, we say, Yeah, Jesus, you can come out of the boot. We bring him into church and then we worship and then we go back out. We put him back in the boot and then we live our life. Of course this is very simplistic, but you get in the point. For some of us, uh, maybe uh, We have invited Jesus into the car, but he's on the back seat. He's sitting there. We're in the driving seat. We're determining the route where we're going. uh, And he's just coming along for the ride. Actually, we are setting the agenda. Some of you are thinking, well, I can see where you're going here. Okay, so Jesus is in the driving seat. Well, perhaps you say this morning, Jesus is in the driving seat. But how many of us are backseat drivers I know I can be sometimes. Um, you know, often, so often we can actually say, well, Jesus, you are in control. But actually, when Jesus says, well, I want us to take this turn down the road of forgiveness, we say, no, no, I don't want to go that way. I want to reroute. Or maybe he's saying, I want you to go down the route of generosity. And we say, oh, no, well, I'm not sure I can manage that. No, I want to go this way. So many of us can say that we're putting Jesus first, but in reality, how does that play out in our day-to-day lives? You know, we as Christians get very good, don't we, at articulating faith, talking about what it is to live, but actually, what is the reality in our lives? And this is really what I want us to explore this morning, how are we putting Jesus first in our lives? And so I'm going to use that, uh, that word as an acronym first to think about 
how we put him first in our lives. How are we prioritizing Jesus in all that we do? And so the first one, which is one that we often squirm about when we hear this in, in church, but is around finances. You know, how do we prioritize? How do we put Jesus first in our finances? It's really interesting when you look at the people of God um, in Exodus and in Deuteronomy, that when they came into the promised land, what was it that God challenged them in? Let's read Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 11 to 14. It says, Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and your flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your hearts will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God. You know, what happened to the people of Israel? They were slaves in Egypt. They came out. They were wandering. They came into the promised land. And uh, when, when they came into the promised land, they, they inherited this amazing abundance. But the thing is, many of them forgot the source of that abundance. They forgot what God had given them. And most of us in this building now are wealthy by the world's standards. If we compare ourselves to the world, most of us are wealthy. And the question is, how do we use all that God has given us and how, we didn't, how do we not allow that to become a distraction as we seek to live for God? You know, wealth can so often be suffocating. It can become a distraction in all that God has got for us. But God wants us to offer those things that we can live for him, that he can be the priority in our lives. And so that's the first one, to put God first in my finances. The second one is to put God first in my interests. This may include our career, our hobbies, our recreation, all the different things that we get up to. And all those things are great things. You know, you know it's great that we get involved in interests. It's good to have different things that we do. Um, I love playing my sport, and it's, it's great to get into these things. But the question is that when we're doing things, what, what do we think about most? What do we read about most? What do we talk about most? In 1 Corinthians 10.31, Paul says, whatever you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. And so it's not that we shouldn't do a breadth of things, but it's saying that within those things is our priority God. Are we allowing God to be spoken about in those things? Are we allowing his presence to work through us, to approach our interests with gratitude, finding ways that we can express it. And can I challenge us as well not to be apologetic about church? You know, when someone asks us, what did you do over the weekend? What do we respond? Do we say, well, we had a nice time with family and friends or we went went to see the rugby or played football or did whatever? And do we leave out what we did on Sunday morning when we went to church? And so I just want to challenge us and encourage us that where we feel able to, to say, actually, do you know what? I went to church on Sunday morning. I had a a really good time. I was really challenged or encouraged. Um, Apologize if you weren't challenged or encouraged. And don't say that you were if you weren't. But but, but this point actually is saying when when we're talking about our weekends, let's talk about what we did and everything we did. And let's be positive about church. And my experience is actually when we're normal about this and say, well, you know, I had a really good time at church and yeah, I, I, I was really challenged about my life. 
And actually, the great thing about that response is we're not kind of giving a monologue sermon to someone. We're actually inviting that person, if they're interested, to then follow up with a question. So, well, what were you challenged about? What were you encouraged about um, at church on Sundays? So just really encourage us to think intentionally about the way we put God first in our interests and about how we talk to people about our faith. Okay, the third one is, uh, first is uh, around finances, second interest, third is around our relationships. We're called to put God first in our relationships. You know, one of the things I love in my family is that I know my wife, Ali. Uh, for her, the most important thing is Jesus. I know for me, the most important thing is Jesus. Not to say that we don't get it wrong and uh, we don't always put him first, but we know in principle that he is the first. And so when we're working through things, when there are difficulties, when there are challenges, when there are decisions to be made, we know we are working through them under the authority of Jesus. It goes for us as a church as well as brothers and sisters that when we work things through, we work them through under the authority uh, of Jesus. And, you know, we recognize that we don't always work this out properly, do we? And there are times where actually we put our own agendas first. But I want to challenge us as a church when we come up against challenges when we come up against difficulties within church life let's put the agenda of God before our own preferences and before our own uh, uh, our own preferences and and so let's seek to focus on him first and foremost so that may be the path of forgiveness it may be the path of generosity it may be the path that is really difficult And it's not to say that we don't need to build boundaries and we need to work things through properly, but actually we need to have this spirit of generosity in our relationships. Also, these relationships speak into our relationships with our colleagues, with our work situations, uh, within the arenas that we occupy as disciples of Jesus. And uh, we read about the early disciples in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. We must obey God rather than people. And part of honouring God in our relationships is actually honouring God within those relationships and not simply pandering to what we think other people want from us, but that actually we pursue God's ways. And there's an amazing example of this, which I'm sure we're all uh, familiar with in the book of Daniel. Daniel, if, if you work in a secular workplace that you find difficult and you feel are at odds with your Christian values, read the book of Daniel because it is a phenomenal resource of a man who occupied a position at a high level in government and yet stayed true to his God. But the story I want to tell you about this morning is not about uh, Daniel. It's about some of his friends and it's Daniel chapter 3 verses 13 to 15. And we read, furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king at the time, summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. A preacher once said, uh, if you want to remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, just say, your shack, my shack, and a bungalow. I don't know if that's helpful or not, but I'll just throw that piece of wisdom in there. Um, Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up. Now, when you hear the sound of all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, good. But if you do not worship it, 
you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? The men replied, the answer was simple. We will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Let's just imagine this for a moment. Just imagine everybody in Coventry was summoned um, to bow down before a golden image. I know it doesn't really compute. It wouldn't happen, I know. But just imagine if it did. Um, And then you had the choice whether to bow down and save your skin or stand up and be thrown in a furnace. Just imagine the pressure on you. But these three guys stand. They, They refuse to bow down and worship. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that they stand? And so uh, these men were thrown into the fire. They did not know how God would deliver them from the king, whether they would die and be ushered into God's presence or whether they would be kept alive through a miracle. But they knew, dead or alive, that they were going to pursue God's ways. They were going to follow him. And the amazing thing is that uh, we read in the book of Daniel that uh, Nebuchadnezzar was brought to a low place. And, uh, but we see in ver- chapter 4 and verse 34, later Nebuchadnezzar looked up to heaven and said, My sanity returned, and I praised and worshipped the Most High and honoured the one who lives forever. When we stand up and are counted and honour God, he honours us and he uses our testimony to speak to those who are in power. So let me ask you this. Are you in a situation where you face a really challenging uh, dichotomy between the values of the kingdom and the values of the place in which you work? You know, we're called to be wise, we're called to be shrewd, but actually as we seek to honour God in those places, he will honour us and he will speak through us. So put God first in our finances, our interests, in our relationships. Uh, S is put God first in my schedule. Put God first in my schedule. You know, imagine me me saying to uh, my wife, Ali, uh, saying to her, uh, do you know what? I've decided that I'm going to put you first in my schedule one day a week. I'm going to be faithful to you one day a week. I'm going to give you a day a week. Isn't that pretty good? That's a seventh of my time just wouldn't work would it that's not what marriage is about marriage is a whole encompassing thing it's about committing your life uh, to your spouse for the rest of your life sharing everything honoring respecting respecting being faithful to you can't do that just one day a week and it's exactly the same with our faith in God we cannot just do it one day a week it's our whole lives and this uh, is obviously important in terms of our worship, our whole life worship. A few years ago, we did a sermon series on whole life worship that actually every situation we need to bring worship and glory to God. And so this does mean our whole lives, but it does also mean that it's really good to actually schedule time in for God. You know, I live a busy life and I schedule in time for, for Ali. I schedule in time for the kids as well as scheduling all the meetings and all the uh, people that I meet with, um, all the different things I'm involved in. And so it's really important that we schedule time for God. And uh, some of us are very busy people. Some of us perhaps are less busy people. But nonetheless, whatever we do, however much we do do, unless we actually dedicate time to God, my experience is that it can fall by the wayside. 
And I know for myself that actually that rhythm of coming to God, spending time with him, sustains me as a follower of him, helps me to grow in who I am in him. So let's not just come to church on a Sunday. Let's schedule time in our diaries to meet with God and be with him. You know, David did this. He said, I will pray morning, noon, and night, and he will hear and answer me. David committed those times in his day to really speaking and listening to God. So put God first in our finances, put God first in our interests, put God first in our relationships, put God first in our schedule. Finally, we put God first in our troubles. You know, life is not always easy, is it? Life can be really difficult. And God invites us to put him first, both in those minor troubles, but also in those major troubles. And often it can be easy just to call out to God when the major troubles come along, that actually we call out to God in the really difficult times, which we should do, and I want to speak into in a bit. But also we're called to call out to God in those minor troubles, those day-to-day issues, those day-to-day difficulties. And so often we're used to fixing things and we can just, you know, run on and think, oh, you know, well, this will just fix. I'll, I'll find a way to fix it. But actually just stopping for a moment and saying to God, you know, God, come, give me your strength. Help me to align to you. And often people say to me, you know, Josh, well, I don't really need prayer for that. There are people with bigger issues And of course, there are always people with bigger issues. But actually, even if it's a minor trouble, that is important to God. And God wants to meet you in that place. He wants to give you his peace and fill you with his love in that situation. But also, uh, many of us will have experienced personally or loved ones who've gone through really, really difficult times. And God, again, wants to meet us in those places and it's often in those places that we can begin to question our faith question God but God wants to say I am alongside you in those places he wants us to put him first in those places and sometimes putting him first in those places means being very honest with God and saying you know God why is this happening how is this possible but actually giving it to God and saying God I choose you in this we all go through problems pressures and crises. We need to offer those before him. And so as we look at Jesus, he says to us, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. In other words, we are called to see things from his perspective. Jesus says in Matthew 6.33, which we had read earlier, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness And everything else will be added on. St. Augustine once said, Christ is not valued at all unless he be valued above all. Christ is not Lord at all unless he is Lord of all. We are called to give everything to him. So let me just challenge all of us together. Are we putting Jesus first in our finances, in our interests, in our relationships, in our schedule, and in our troubles. And if we're being absolutely honest, and I say this to myself as well, there's probably a bit of a yes and a bit of a no. 
And uh, I was speaking to a church leader the other day, and he, he gave me a really helpful picture of two words, of conviction and condemnation. Con means with. Condemnation. Demnation comes from damnation. Damnation is about separation from God. It's about, uh, it basically speaks of hell. But conviction, conviction, viction is victory, with victory. Actually, part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction so that in Christ we can have victory. Do we want to live in the victory this morning? Let's bring the conviction of the Spirit, what he highlights, and offer that to God and say, God, I recognize I'm fallen. I recognize I'm broken. I recognize that I need more of you. Let's allow him to break in to our lives. General William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army, was asked the secret uh, of this amazing Christian life. And I'm going to come to that quote in just a moment because it's time for us to have our act of remembrance. Um, So we're going to um, go into our act of remembrance now. And I'm going to start by reading some scriptures. And then I'm going to read some introductory words to our act of remembrance. I will then end this introduction with the words, we will remember them. And if you can repeat those words, we will remember them. They will come up on the screen in a moment. Um, These words uh, will be in the bold type on the screen. And then we'll have two minutes of silence. Um, Different for this year, like is happening across the country Um, After those two minutes, we're going to ring the bell. Jason's going to ring the bell for us. And uh, it is a really significant year, 100 years. And let's just take this time to really remember. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. I lift my eyes to the hills. From whence will my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We meet in the presence of God. We commit ourselves to work in penitence and faith for reconciliation between the nations, that all people may together live in freedom, justice and peace. We pray for all who in bereavement, disability and pain continue to suffer the consequences of fighting and terror. We remember with thanksgiving and sorrow those whose lives in world wars and conflicts past and present have been given and taken away. They shall grow not old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. We will remember them. Let's stand together.
Almighty God, whose will is to restore all things in your beloved Son, the King of all, govern the hearts and minds of those in authority and bring the families of the nations divided and torn about by the ravages of sin to be subject to his just and gentle rule who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your goodness. And we pray in a world that is so broken and often so feels on a knife edge that you would bring your peace, that you'd bring your reconciliation. I pray, Lord, for all those who've given their lives, who sacrificed themselves for our freedom. We thank you for them. We pray for their families, spouses, children, friends. We also pray for those who've been traumatized by the atrocities of war, that you would give them your peace, that you would free them from anxiety. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please take your seats. It's good that we express our thanks to those who've gone before. And as we were talking about before, that amazing picture of sacrifice for us in our Christian faith reminds us of that sacrifice of all that people have given before for us. And as we continue to go back to our talk now, there's this sense of sacrifice that we're called to preference God above all else. And that means giving up other things. It means putting other things aside and coming back to uh, General William Booth. Interesting that that's the point I got to, General William Booth, as we uh, have our remembrance, uh, the, uh, the man who uh, led the Salvation Army. And that's what, we, that's what we long for, isn't it? That God brings his salvation um, to this world. And he was asked, what is the secret of his amazing Christian life? And he responded with these words, I told Jesus that he could have all that there is of William Booth. And really, I just want to leave us with that challenge. Have we said that to Jesus? Have I said, uh, you can have all of Josh Maynard? Yes, well, I have because I've committed myself to following him. But then the follow-up question is, how am I living that? And for each one of us, have we declared that, said, yes, you can have all of me. You can have all of my life. And so I want to encourage us, one, to, if we haven't said that, to declare that to God. But secondly, to think about how we live that in our day-to-day lives. Uh, Just to reiterate those words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added on. The reality is that if we allow God to take his rightful place, that everything else will fall into place.